Exodus chapter 15. As we continue through the month of January, looking at our focal word in direction and seeking God's will for our life at Eastside and in our personal lives. Today we pick up the story as they have exited the dry ground of uh, the Red Sea and Moses and Miriam have sung songs of praise to the Lord in front of all of God's people. But then they find themselves in a predicament. Over the last year, we have all, all faced many hardships. No one has been immune. We have experienced new trials we could not have dreamed of. We've been separated from friends and family. We wonder whether to go to church or not. What will happen to our country? Will I get sick, be able to pay my bills, or even to go to school, or just some of the questions that for many are still unanswered? One thing is for certain. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hardships are not uncommon for man in a sinful and broken world, right? Sin brought the curse of hardship upon all things from nature to animals and especially humans. We were born of Adam and the Adamic sin. Scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many? All. But there is hope through the sinless Savior. Jesus' work at Calvary not only secured salvation for those who would be saved, He continues, continues His work in all believers to set them apart and grow them through hardship so as to truly know Him and His power and to motivate us to make Him known today. Today, everybody look at me. Today, you may feel overwhelmed by a bitter pain you're facing in this life. You may feel enclosed by this world's circumstances you're currently in. Today, I want you to look with me at the people that understood something about hardship. And through this sermon today, I want you to take a minute to breathe in God's Word and the encouragement it can bring you in the midst of your wilderness. Look with me at Exodus 15, verse 22. Exodus 15, verse 22, at moving forward in the face of hardships. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now I want to begin today by us stopping to understand one big truth. If we're going to move forward and remember what we said the first week of the year, if we're not moving forward, we're backing up. We must move forward or die. And if we are moving forward, then we must do so by looking back. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, I've met some folks that it wouldn't matter how many cameras you put on a vehicle, they can't back up. They just can't. I mean, I was raised very early that you got to be able to back up a trailer. And you can't do that out of a rear view mirror. You have to be able to do it out of the side mirrors. You have to be able to do it without turning around. Today, we need to understand 
where we come from, where we were, and what God is doing in our life. We must move forward by looking back. Listen, in verse 22, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. It's kind of a big deal, would you not agree? I mean, think about it. They had been brought out. Well, before they even were brought out of the Red Sea, they were brought out of Egypt. In one place in Scripture, it says they were brought out with a mighty hand. Oh, we can look at all the, all the plagues that God unleashed on Egypt for the sole purpose of making himself known to a godless Pharaoh and his people and to make himself known to his chosen people, that they may cast their eyes on him and not their circumstances they were facing. Listen, first of all, they had to be brought out. They could not do it on their own. They had, or they had been brought out and were no longer in bondage. Listen, let me explain something to you, believer. If you are born again, you are no longer a slave to sin in this world. There seems to be no joy in that anymore. It used to be when somebody would say that, the whole church would erupt. Listen, if God has saved you, you are eternally secure in His power. And if you're not saved, it's not because there's not a Savior or a plan of salvation. It is because you have relished the enjoyment of the flesh of sin for a season and never humbled yourself to come under the mighty hand of God and say, God, I am a sinner. There's nothing good within me. There's nothing good around me. And only you coming into my life, washing me clean, white as snow through the repentance of sin, may I be saved. I want you to understand something today about this preacher. God brought me out. I am no longer a slave to this body. One day, as we have seen, I'm telling you, my phone in the last year kind of started slow, but then if my phone rang or it was a text, somebody's either sick or somebody has died. And there were days where I would do two and three funerals in a week. And yes, it's very sad. And yes, it's very heartbreaking. But my friends, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather preach a hundred funerals of saints of God who we know by their testimony is in the presence of God than to do one wedding of people who have no clue who Jesus is. It's not about the banquets of life and all the fun, fleshly things. Man, we want to conform to the world. Now, people who were raised in church get married and it looks like a worldly party. It doesn't look like worship. Marriage is worship. It's not about the after party. It's not about where you go. It's about coming before God in a, por a form of worship and saying, God, you ordained this. We're going to serve you. My friends, God brought you out of sin not to return to it and wallow in it, but to be set free. They had been brought out no longer in bondage. Man, I'm going to tell you, well, the things going on in the world, it feels like Christians are in bondage. Make no mistake about it. No matter what law they pass, no matter what guards they send, no matter what kind of amendments they will concoct, they will never, ever be able to enslave a believer in their soul. For we've been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb, set free from the all-encompassing eternal damnation of sin. Man, right there. Right there. No, listen, they had been brought not only out, they had been brought through. He said, today, mark it, for the Pharaoh and his army that you see, you will not see anymore. 
Once you're saved, you can never go back and see and experience that lostness. Now, we need to be reminded what it felt like because there are too many people who are born again that thinks that somehow they have risen above all the problems and the people of this life, that somehow they are in a higher pecking order with God. Listen, you're a child of God, yes. But my friends, Jesus died, the Bible says, because God so loved the world. Red, yellow, black, and white. Friends and enemies. Republicans, Democrats, independents, militia, whatever. Whatever coast, whatever color. Listen, they had been brought through these things. Believers, we must understand by looking back, we've been brought out and that we've been brought through. Remember now, there was no other way. You say, well, but, man, I, I, I do a lot for the church. And I, I've given a lot. Man, through this pandemic, I've given a lot. And if you weren't here last week for the business meeting, you know that boring stuff, church boring stuff? I'm going to tell you what was so, so not boring, that if you missed it, especially as a member, you're a member. You're expected to be here. We not only passed the budget for this coming year, but we read the report of how not only did we meet budget last year in the midst of a pandemic, we put 20% of that budget in savings for our future. 20%! How many of you did that at home? We don't sell anything at the church. We don't come here for profit. That's God's people being faithful to God. But if you did it thinking somehow you've earned favor with God in salvation, you've missed the mark. We do it out of a labor of love, but number one, we do it out of obedience because God told us to. And we're a thief if we don't. You say, that's strong language. Read Malachi. He said, how have we robbed God? You've robbed him in tithes and offerings. But I'm going to tell you something. We, were, we are blessed. Not we were blessed. We are blessed. And we're more moving forward with great excitement. I've already asked a few and a few more of you. I'm going to be asking to serve on the vision team. As we begin to pray over and look toward the future in casting a vision, what does God want at Eastside? Next year, the next five years, the next 20 if he has not returned. You see, no matter what you prop up, good works, money, attendance, baptism, some kind of religious sacrament, some kind of submittal, of uh, suffering, only the Lord can make a way. Pharaoh would never be seen again. This was perhaps the big, now get this, this very possibly, is the biggest miracle that happens through the whole picture. Plagues are big. Big miracles, one after another. Water out of a rock, pretty big deal. Manna from heaven. But to split the Red Sea, go across on dry ground, at least a million people. At least a million people. Have you ever seen... 80,000 people trying to get out of a football stadium? This is over a million people going through the midst of a humongous lake so big they called it a sea. I don't even believe they left wheel marks just across on dry ground. I think God just karate chopped it. Just pulled it out. Blew across it, dried it out. And they went across. And the minute the last Israelite left the base of that lake and Pharaoh and his army thinking, we've got them now. Not pausing to realize 
where they're at, God simply just took his hands out. And Pharaoh was seen no more. Man, what a great miracle. Would you all agree? Then hear me today. The sin and depravity of a lost life that God delivered you from in His Son is the greatest miracle of them all. You need to look back at what Jesus did for you. You're so enthralled with all the fun things and all the activities of this life, the doubt, the confusion, to do, to not do, to go, to not go. I'm telling you something. When it all boils down to it, is God pleased with it? Is God honored in it? And if not, don't do it. You know that great theologian from Mississippi, just down the road from Yazoo City, Jerry Clower said one time when I went to one of his shows, he always ended with about a 10 or 15 minute sermon. And he gave everybody there Jesus. He said, let me tell you something, old boys. He said, if you've got to question whether God approves it or not, it's probably already answered in your heart. Give your heart to Jesus. They had been brought out. They had been brought through. We've been brought out. We've been brought through. Even in the midst of what we're experiencing now cannot compare to the glory that God has waiting for us. But then we move forward by knowing troubles will come. Now listen, I laugh because I am so guilty of this. I think if I can plan hard enough and pray hard enough and think hard enough and scheme hard enough, I can get around the trials. We all experience that sometimes. We think if I can just keep my little ducks in a row this week, I think I can miss it. We can only move forward when we know troubles are going to come. And so we prepare. How? He said in verse 23, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. They just come through this huge lake. And now they have no water. Because the water they have is bitter. And they're not that far, but they are three days into the trip. You see, the truth is life can bring great suffering. And if you've not faced that yet, you're still of a tender age. We've seen great suffering over the last 10, 11 months. We've seen families hit hard. And I want to tell you, and I'm not going to call names because I'll miss some, but I see some faces out here today that have been sick, been in quarantine, been through, and I am so glad to see every one of you. It is a picture of God's grace and his goodness. Well, what about the people who will never be able to return? If they're born again, that's a picture of God's grace and God's goodness. We think just because we've got a pocket full of money and we feel really good, God's blessed us. What if we don't? Is God not blessing us? I can tell you, I read Friday in a scripture that tells us that a good name is like precious ointment. And better is the day of that great person's death than all the days of a man that does not love the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Listen, life can bring great suffering. Three days without water. Now, I don't want to be too harsh on them now, okay? Because I don't want to go more than a couple hours without a cup of coffee, much less three days without water. 
Three days without water is not only painful, it's dangerous. Those of you in the medical field, you know, you can go a long time without eating. Yes, I know that's probably something most of us don't believe. But you can go, I mean, they've got it out to in the 70s, days without food. But you can't go much more than three to four days without water. They were hurting. Think about, think about mamas, think about your babies. And I'm not just talking about infant babies. I'm talking about 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds. And you're hurting for them because they don't have anything either. This and then daddy who feels like he's letting their family down. Listen, life can bring great suffering. The pain can be excruciating. Not only, not only in our heart, but in our physical bodies. Life can be difficult, can it? Life can bring great difficulty. Notice with me back in verse 22 where they were at. And they had went out into the wilderness of Shur. The word Shur means an enclosure or a wall. Sometimes we can feel very closed in or closed out, can't we? I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times over the last 10 months where I felt all alone. Couldn't see anybody. I mean, I am a southern boy Baptist. Hugging is in our DNA. Shaking a man's hand when you see him and meet him, greet him. That's just who we are. But we've had to be safe. And so I, try, I told our greeters when it all started, when we said, we're going to start back, I said, greet them with a head nod and your hands in the pockets. You remember our first service? I said, give everybody a Baptist wave. And that kind of suffices for a moment, but it's still. We feel boxed in by the trials we face. The hardships causes us to feel like we've been put into a pen and we can't get out. I remember one time when we lived in Douglasville. And we had a detached garage with a little breezeway. And so I went out into the garage for something. And when I opened the door, there's a, there was like a step. You step off onto the concrete, and I'd stepped off and shut the door. Piece of plywood, because I'm a hoarder. I said, well, that'll make a good deer stand one day. And it was propped up over there. And I went to grab it for something. And when I did, I saw and heard this. And it was the most dangerous, frightening animal on earth. A possum. Nasty looking. I mean, I, God made it. I'll ask him when I get there. Why? You know, this mangy looking thing with these big old teeth, these weird looking eyes and nose and a rat's tail. And he's reared up. And I'm trying to, I'm like, I got to get him out of here. But he was pinned in right there. And listen, the more he felt pinned in, the more he would squeal and, and whatever they do, bark or whatever they do. But boy, he was showing his teeth and yelling and screaming as loud as he could because he was trapped in. Some of us today feel trapped. by the circumstances we're living in. We feel boxed in. We're in the wilderness of our own sure. Can't go forward, can't go sideways. Man, we just come out of that into this. We question God, why? Why would you bring me out and then it be like they did? Why would you bring us through all that and let us die out here? Life can bring great difficulty. You know, sometimes you may feel closed in in your marriage. You may feel closed out from family, work life, school. Listen, young people, you may feel boxed out from certain groups. Never 
ever lower yourself to think you've got to fit their mold for what God wants for your life. Bullies are just that. And can I tell you, as a 56-year-old man that looks back, that's been out of high school almost 40 years, the bullies usually end up one place, and it's not in leadership, and it's not in the big houses, it's in the big house, known as prison. That's where bullies end up. Don't sweat the bullies. Your God's bigger. Your God's stronger. Get faithful in your youth group. Stop making that, oh, I'll come to youth on Wednesday night if I don't have anything else. And you know how we put a stop to ball and stuff like that on Wednesday night? Is we outnumber them and say, we're not going to do it. Life can bring difficulty because we feel boxed in. And life will bring bitterness. The word Mara, this, this water, they called it Mara because that word means bitter. The water was bitter and they could not drink it. Can you imagine? You know, it's, I think of it as a kid when we would walk into a, buy a bakery and all this fancy candy, expensive, you know, chocolate dip, whatever it was, and big old cakes and pies and all this stuff, and all the glorious aroma that's just coming out and penetrating my soul. And mama's dragging me by those cases, and we either don't have time and we sure don't have the money. Let's go. Three days without water, here's water, and I can't drink it. My friends, bitter past, check. Bitter relationships, check. Bitter heart, check. Can I challenge you today? Don't stay bitter. Bitterness will age you and kill you a lot earlier than you had to go. Bitterness will rot the core of your soul. Bitterness will make you mean and feel like you've got to be the one who's always got to fix everybody else. Bitterness will make you a troll in the social media world. Bitterness will make all your friends run away from you. Bitterness will make people say, oh, i got to sit on the other side of church. Man, they're just ill all the time. All they do is complain. Music's too loud. Music's this. The preacher's too long. The preacher's this. The preacher's... I don't like my Sunday school teacher. My deacon don't do it. Always. Y'all know who I'm talking about in life. I didn't say here. We're blessed. If you are bitter, can I tell you something? You're the only one that cares. Am I right? I've learned. I've learned on social media. If it's something I don't like. Or if it's really something I don't like. Unfollow. Block. The greatest tool in the world is snooze. Now everybody likes a good snooze every once in a while, don't you? And I love to go home after Sunday morning service and lay before the Lord for a little while. People will text me sometimes, and they wait until about 1, 1 to text me on Sunday. Man, that was a great message. They'll tell you. They don't get a response until about 4. But what's greater than my own snooze on a Sunday afternoon is to snooze somebody else when I don't need to look at them for about 30 days. Stop being bitter. Life's too sweet. Life's too glorious and grand to miss the enjoyment of the journey because we stayed bitter. Listen, God did not bring them by the straightest route. Now think about this. If you've got an old-fangled Bible that still has maps in the back, you think, why do they put all them maps? I don't need to learn all this kind of stuff. You can go to the back of your Bible and these, hey, everybody likes something in color. 
And you can look right where they brought them across, God brought them across the Red Sea. You can see where Mara was. And you can see up here is Israel. This is the Negev Valley. That first picture. Okay, is there any way to go back to the first one and then come back to this? I darkened it because everybody said, you can't see, you can't see the words. But if you can kind of see that, that's looking down below Masada into the Negev Valley. They were probably three days' journey from here. And they would have been at the very cusp if they would have come on up that way. But that's not where God brought them. Why? You can go back now. Because God did not bring them by the straightest route, they had to see who God was and trust Him. God, why are you letting this happen to me? It could have been so much easier. Yeah, but you wouldn't have trusted me if you would have went that way. Everybody doesn't have their retirement completely situated by the time they're 28 years old. And listen, young couples, if you're thinking about married or you've been married less than 10 years, you do not have to forfeit your future and go in hock because you feel like you've got to match up to that other couple that is not enjoying all their toys they bought because they're working too hard to keep from going bankrupt for the payments on those toys. Life can bring bitterness. Well, God, why do they get it and I don't? Read Psalms. Psalm will say. Read Psalms. They had to see who God was. C.S. Lewis, that great author of mere Christianity that wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, said, God, who foresaw your tribulation, hear me now, God, who foresaw your tribulation, has specially armed you to go through it, not without pain, but without stain. I don't know that I fully like that, but I accept it as fact. Because God is going to present us a bride without stain to his son, the bridegroom. There's going to be pain, but he allows it to keep us from being stained. And then we cannot move forward complaining. We've been very diligent in praying over who will serve on this vision team. Number one, they've got to be faithful. Coming to worship and not believing in small groups and that they need to learn from the Word of God won't get you on a vision team. Not putting Wednesday night as priority with your children or with yourself in prayer meeting will not get you on a vision team. But people who care about the Lord, who care about their church, who care about their family, who get on their knees, who pray together, who study the Word of God together, who are here when the doors are open, those are the people God will have cast visions. Not those who complain. Sunday school's too early. Wednesday night's too late. This is too long. This is too this. Listen, we all like a good time. And we're willing to forego some of the less than comfortable situations to enjoy a special time. I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation... I need one when I get home because if I'm going off and I'm going to spend a bunch of money for a hotel or something, I'm going to play golf all day long. I'm going to eat. I'm going to go. We're going to do, and we're going to run wide slap open. I can sit at home at home. People say, well, we take a bunch of food. No. It's a vacation. I make a sandwich at home. I'm going to go eat lobster and steak. I'm not going to eat anything I can eat at home. It's a vacation. Now, you may feel different. That's fine. But here's the deal. I'm willing to put a lot of that other stuff aside so that I can enjoy that short little one because I know it's going to be over. And we're going to come home. This life is not all there is. We're here for just a short time. You know what? People say, I'm burnt out. 
I'm just burnt out. I just got to take some time. I'm burnt out. You got to be on fire to burn out. The greatest testimony you can leave is that you burn out for Jesus. That you flamed out going through this life. Man, I've seen them in their 80s and 90s, still going like their hair's on fire, like they're killing snakes, loving the Lord, loving the law, sharing the gospel, praying without ceasing until the last breath they drew in. May that testimony ring true in our life. Listen, they murmured against Moses and God. They murmured. He said in verse 24, the people murmured against Moses and said, what are we going to do? What shall we drink? They murmured against Moses and God, which really meant they murmured against God. Now, I want to encourage you, and then I want to hit you some facts. Number one, if someone is mistreating you because of your faith, if you're being harassed because you love the Lord, if they make fun of you for praying over your food at school, or because you leave work, and don't go have drinks, you come to church on Wednesday night, if you don't go to their parties, if you don't associate with that stuff, and they ridicule you for it, I want to encourage you, you're not the target. They are mad at God. Because your life convicts theirs. Keep loving the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you thumb your nose at them and say, man, look how much better. No, you just completely wiped out your testimony with that. They didn't hate Paul because they loved him when he was Saul. They hated the God of Paul. They didn't hate Peter. They hated the God of Peter. They were just ambassadors, and the Bible tells us you're God's ambassador. They murmured against God's leadership because they really were bitter against God. They complained about their situation. I live in this small town. I get older. I'm going to move out. I'm going to tell you something. I've been all over this world. I'm up. I'm getting close to 20 countries I've been to. Now I've got to start hitting some, some more states pastored in two of them and I've preached in many other states I've met people from all over the world I'm telling you you're living in one of the best places on earth but the place where you live is what you make of it it's always greener on the other side. It always looks better and more wonderful somewhere else until you get there and find out the problems are over there too. God brought them out and through but they thought he had left them or simply forgot them. If you feel like God's forgotten you, stay tuned. He said in verse 25, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that heals you. You want to move forward? You want to move forward through the hardships, in the hardships? then we start moving forward on our knees. We start moving forward on our knees. First of all, you see in verse 25, Moses prayed. 
Moses got on his face before the Lord. It says, he cried unto the Lord. When's the last time you shed a tear over the brokenness of this world? I don't know about you. I don't watch the news anymore. But that don't mean the problems are not there. I can hear enough and pick up enough from conversations and listening without sitting there for hour on end and having negativity shoved down my throat. What I can do is I can get on my face before God. My new motto, and I hope you will adopt this. So what are we going to do? What are you going to do about this situation, preacher? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep my nose in the book, my knees on the ground, and my eyes looking up. That's where my help cometh from. Am I right? Will this word change your life? Will the Lord that we pray to, what did I say the other day? It's not your prayers, it's the one we pray to. God may reveal that the answer you want and what he gives is two different things. And what he gives is a lot better than what you want. Listen, Moses prayed. It was an immediate prayer. It was an imperative prayer. It was an efficacious prayer. When he prayed, God answered. I want God to work in my life. I'll just tell you something. I went to bed thinking about this morning, but thinking about everything else that's been going on. And I tried to pray very specifically. I woke up this morning praying for you calling out names before the Lord. I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say it in conviction. I ought to be doing it more. People are hurting. People in the hospital. People who've lost loved ones. People are hurting. People are bitter. My friends, we must be immediate and imperative. There's an urgency that we need to be praying. You know, we love to quote that the, you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but it's done when we place all our faith, hope, and trust in him, praying that his will be done. But you see, when Moses prayed, the Lord spoke. He showed him what to do. Now, sometimes we must be an active participant in God's work of restoration. Any of you have lost friends or family members? You do? You ever prayed for them? Prayed for their salvation? You've got a child, you've got a parent, you've got a sibling, you've got a friend that's saved but out of the will of God, you're praying for them. And, and they've made it very apparent they don't want to hear anything you've got to say to them. But you still pray for them. So how's God going to do it? He's going to raise up somebody you don't even know. Right? You ever seen that happen? Well, I want you to hear something with me today. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to lay down some truth smack on you. There's somebody in San Antonio, Texas. There's somebody in Cheyenne, Wyoming. There's somebody in Omaha, Nebraska, New York City. There's somebody in Atlanta, Georgia that's praying for a friend or a family member and you are the answer to that prayer. You are the person that's going to share the gospel with their family member that they won't listen to. Sometimes you've got to be an active participant. So what happened? He said there was a tree there, right? There was a tree. And the next thing we see, he cast it into the water. What, what did Moses make it levitate? No, he cut it down. He cut, he, he cut down the tree and threw the tree into the water. Now this is fixing to get good. Y'all ready? Buckle up. This tree was in the midst of a lifeless desert. You saw that picture. It, we're spoiled. I remember one time going out to the panhandle of Texas, or the, actually the top of Texas, up there in the very top, around Shamrock and Walker and some of those places, going around Dallas-Fort Worth and stuff. And they'd say, well, you know, 
when you go over there, when you're going back there to the place I'm telling you, you'll go by the tank. That's where, that's a pond. They call them a tank. They say, you go by the tank, and then there's a couple of trees right there. And I go, and there's just a couple of little old scrub bushes. I said, well, I, where, I, I don't know where I'm at. They said there should be a tree right here. There's a tank. I don't see no tree. I call them or whatever, and I said, there ain't no tree. They said, well, you stand? Yeah, I'm standing there. Well, right there, there's two trees. No, there's just some bushes. They know those are mesquite trees. Bless God, you need to come to Georgia. You'll see what a tree looks like. Y'all got hedges in Texas. We got trees. Real trees. Trees. Listen, they cut the tree down, but here, this tree was in a lifeless desert. But the moment it was cut down in obedience and cast in, it brought change. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the tree of life. And that he was cut down for you and me. A life that knew no sin in the midst of a sinful world. In a lifeless desert. He was cut down and thrown into the most bitter of waters. That of man's soul. That Jesus might make it sweet. Listen, it brought death to life. Sour to sweet. Broken to blessed. Moses prayed, the Lord spoke, and Moses listened. Listen, we've got to listen to hear. When he gives us the Shema, which is a Jewish, it's one of the high orders in the Jewish faith. It hangs inside any Orthodox Jewish home. It's in Deuteronomy, which literally means second law giving. Exodus 20 is the first time, but then in Deuteronomy, he repeats it very vehemently, and he says... Listen, O Israel. The word listen in the Hebrew language means hear to obey. We must listen to hear. What did Jesus tell the churches in Revelation? Let those who have ears to hear. Listen, wives, would you all agree that sometimes men listen but they don't hear? Men would you all agree that sometimes the kids listen but they don't hear? We've got to listen to hear. We've got to hear to learn. And we must learn to obey. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Then I want you to get this, man. It's supposed to get really good right here. Look at verse 27. And they came to Elam. Where there were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Do you know Jericho is an oasis? I showed you the very first picture in the first slide is looking down over the point where Israel came through into the promised land. It was literally right there at Jericho where an oasis. Here outside the wilderness of Shur, they came to a place called Elam that was none other than an oasis. Wells of waters, trees for shades, date trees, palm trees. Oh, man. They were refreshed. Today, I pray that when you leave here, through the Spirit of God and His Word, you leave refreshed. I pray that through the journey of life right now, whatever you're going through, whatever is causing the strain and the hardship in your life, that God will bring you into the oasis of His love and presence and that you will be refreshed. They found rest. Can you imagine they all laying down? Even the kids laid down. And they just rested. That's why I love Sunday morning. It's time for us all to come together and rest from the weariness of this world. I don't know about you. I cannot stand the thought of not being in God's house. I thank God 
that we have a church that is faithful to worship. The, the music, the teachers, the fellowship, the greeters, and the nursery, everybody that serves on staff and attends. Listen, if you are not finding rest at Eastside, you come to me. And we'll pray. But you know what happened? They didn't stay there. Right? Some of us, we finally get to some rest. We've been in the midst of wilderness, the wilderness. We've had bitterness and hardships. And when God brings us into a place of refreshment and rest, we don't want to leave. But just like that vacation, it has to come to an end. They had not yet reached where God wanted them to be. And where was that? The promised land. And so they left. But they left recharged. That's why you've got to be in church. That's why you've got to be under the teaching of the word of God. That's why we all ought to be lifting our voices in praise. So that when we go back out into the world this week, we will be recharged to tell the world Jesus saves. As they come to the instruments, Adrian Rogers said, Faith is God's cure for fretting. Hear me now, listen. Faith is God's cure for fretting. Delight is God's cure for depression. Are you delighting in the Lord? Commitment is God's cure for concern. Oh, I'm just worried. Well, commit your way into the Lord and He will establish your goings. Commitment and rest is God's cure for resentment. Man, you resent your friends, you resent your family, you resent your government, you resent everything. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I, I am Moses, I am Abraham, I am Elijah, I am Paul, I am Peter, Matt, I am. Church. I am will give you rest. Whatever you're facing, trust Him. Whatever you're feeling, trust Him. Whatever you're fearing today in the name of Jesus Christ, come before His throne and trust Him. And God will move you forward through the midst of hardship. Stand and come to Jesus today. Come to Him. Come without hesitation. Today's the day you've been putting it off. Come right now.